Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first new Wall of Power Radio Hour episode of 2018 as we go into our fourth year on the air here on AM 950. This is your host, Paul Metza. I hope you had a great holiday. As a musician, I have been fortunate to meet people from all walks of life. One of the most interesting characters in the last few years who I've had the pleasure to get to know and who's become a good buddy of mine is former Northeast Minneapolis homicide detective Jerry Sarge Larson. I could tell you more about him, but I'd rather jump right into this interview and let you hear from the man himself. Jerry, how old are you? Seventy. Seventy. And uh, when's your birthday? In March. All right. You gonna well, send me something? <laughs> you should. I'm gonna write it. I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know what, Sarge? You look like you got the body of a 69-year-old, though. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so where'd you grow up? Minneapolis, Northeast. Northeast, huh? Northeast. What did your dad do? My dad works at electric machinery right on 800 Central Avenue, Northeast. Okay. So and everybody stayed in the, the Bailiwick. How, uh, what, was your mom a housewife or did yeah, she work too? House, house okay. Yeah. How, how many kids in the family? My sister and I. Okay. Yeah. What was Northeast like back then? Uh, Working class, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah, a lot of. Um, immigrants mm-hmm. from, you know, Eastern Europe, a lot of Polish, a lot of Swedish, Norwegian, Russians. So there's a real culture. I mean, when you went to Edison High School, you you heard some accents. <laughs> now, Edison, that was named Edison High School, which is still there. I live right around the corner from there, actually. Yeah. That, is, uh, that was named after Thomas Edison, right? Correct. It originally was known as East High. Okay. And then about 1928 or so, it was changed to Edison. Okay. So what did you do when you were growing up as a kid? Did you have a paper route or did you mow lawns? or Paper route, played ball all day long, lived right across the street from the park. All my buddies played. So we were baseball, basketball, football, the whole deal. Did you get to the river? Did you do any fishing over by the we Mississippi? Didn't, we didn't do much fishing. Okay. Yeah. So what, um, you know, there was uh, movie theaters all over Northeast, wasn't there? There was there were a few. There were Ritz and... Hollywood. Yeah. Then they had the Heights right across the border. Did you, go to, did, did you go to movies as a kid? Oh, yeah. What were some of your favorite ones? Do you remember the any? Saturday matinee at Hollywood. Okay. Cost a dime to get in. <laughs> Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> My all-time favorite. Okay. That's cool. Uh, they just kind of reopened the Hollywood for an event last yeah. Saturday that I was at. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I was up. How's it look? It's all cleared out, all the all the uh, chair, chairs that were on the floor, but yeah. it's... Uh, it's a work in progress. But yeah. they, they got the lights on. You probably driven by. They got the lights back on. And I've been over for a long time. It's probably. cool. When I, yeah. you know, I moved to town in '78. I started going to movies there then, yeah. and uh, the gal Jackie Sullivan, may she rest in peace, who I yeah. went out with. Uh, her mom and dad used to date and go to movies there. Yeah. Back in the '50s. Sure. So, you got to high school. Uh, yeah. Were you were you playing on on uh, the high school teams? Oh there? yeah. Oh yeah. What what uh, what positions? Uh, baseball was a first baseman pitcher. Basketball, I was a power forward. Football, I was a wide out receiver. Wow. Yeah. Triple threat. Triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was, uh, how many kids went to, were in your class at Edison? 420. Wow. Something like that. One, that was in the mid-60s. Yeah. Yeah. So what year did you graduate? 66. Okay. And you did a, a little time in the Army. Yep. So when you got back uh, uh, from from Vietnam, what did you, uh, did you get immediately into uh, becoming a, a policeman? No, I waited six months. <laughs> Went from the frying pan to the fire in six months. <laughs> How did you start as a cop? Uh, I started... By filling on an application in the back row of the Sun driving on 29th and Central. <laughs> <laughs> and got on the list and got hired and 
started recruit school in January of 69 with 40 other guys. And, wow. And uh, went through all that and ended up in uh, the night shift in North Minneapolis, my first tour of duty. Wow. Well, now, it, interesting, because in 1969, you also had, you know, all the opposition to the Vietnam War, and uh, and uh, and then it was the height of the hippie scene. How did you not become a hippie? My hair was long enough. <laughs> it still isn't. I can't, I can't grow it. <laughs> and I can't say do it or man. <laughs> so uh, what were those first shifts like? Were you the only guy in the squad car, or was did you buddy oh, no, up? Oh, no, no, no. I had a coach. Okay. First six months or so, you get a coach, an older officer who kind of instructs you about the no-nos and do-dos. What was uh, the first time you had to get out of the squad car and uh, make an arrest or stop some incident? What was, what was that like? Oh, it's different. It was a guy, we got in a chase with him, vehicle chase, and he'd bail out of the car and went hiding in the closet of his buddy's apartment around the corner from where he ditched. So we had to go in there and dig what, him out. What did you suspect him of? Him? Yeah. What was he No keeping? license. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Turned out, that same guy, my first arrest, I remember his name, but I won't say it. Um, he got hit by a car. Wow. About a year, year and a half later, so he's all crippled up. He walked with a prominent limp and... Hmm. We got his egg scramble a little bit to his brain. Egg scramble. Yeah. <laughs> was it, uh, it had to be, you know, work and nights. What was the north side of Minneapolis like? That That's always been kind of the uh, 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 place where... Um, uh, violent crime is a curse. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the most violent spot in Minneapolis. And you you had a real big Jewish population and a black yeah, population. Most of the Jewish people have moved off by the late 60s and of course we had the projects on Olson Highway 55 mm -hmm. and then we had Plymouth Avenue that uh, the radical protesters tried to burn down so they had a lot of burned off buildings and, and uh, rehabilitation had not really started when I came on the job mm -hmm. there were some but not to the extent now where they got townhouses and stuff up and down Plymouth Avenue and high rises and they got the uh, Pilot City Clinic on Penn and Plymouth. Uh, they put a McDonald's in there for a while. So economically, the, the area started to improve in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Now you must have, you were on duty during all the. Uh, uh, I don't want to say necessarily race riots, but there was a lot of upheaval yeah. uh, in in North Minneapolis following you know the death of Martin Luther King and all the different civil rights well, issues. That was '68. Yeah, and then the uh, the counter protest started. To uh, you know, it's not too far off from what it is today. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really when I look at it, I'm going, God, I've seen that before. That was. 35, 40 years ago. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. That's the same stuff. Right. It's amazing what how the, things really don't change. Yeah, it's a real circle. Yeah. You know, it's the circle of life. You know what the circle of life is? You start out with no teeth, somebody feeding you, somebody changing your britches, and you end up with no teeth, somebody <laughs> feeding you, somebody changing your <laughs> britches, also known as defense. So... It is a circle of life, if you think about it. Yeah, I, absolutely, Sarge. Um, now, what was, let's say, so what time did the night shift start? Well, there's two shifts, okay. actually. The night shift started at 11.40 when I first started, 20 minutes to midnight, and you go till uh, 7.40 in the morning. That was a tough shift for me. I just, my eyes just will not... Stay open after 5 a.m. Right. You know, so it was It was all you could do to... And I didn't drink coffee back then. Wow. Yeah. So it was Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Wow. Give me some caffeine. Well, that's, that's where your teeth went. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're still in my cup in this squad car. Huh. 
Well, did you pick your squad car up downtown? No. At headquarters? It was right at the station. Okay. The station was on West Broadway. Okay. So what would you see uh, during the course of a night? What uh, sort of action? Paul, that's a ambiguous question because each night of the week is is different. Okay. Obviously. Fridays and Saturdays are busy. Right. Because there's more people out and about and doing whatever they're doing. Sundays, some of the busiest days I've ever had on the job were on Sunday. Hmm. You have a little little more of a skeleton crew on Sunday. And, uh, but usually when it started to go, it went, so you really end up with some crazy stuff going on Sunday, Saturday and Friday, you know. So give us a typical crazy night that you can remember specifically. Three murders in one night. Wow. I was going from murder to murder to murder. Wow. Finally, I had our, our, uh, CSI guys, our lab guys, they were so tied up, I had to call the county in. I was a sergeant on the north side then. And tell them we need some help over here. Wow. You know? What uh, was it? Um, what sort of... Drive-by stuff. Okay. Yeah. Gangbanger crap. More with Jerry Sarge Larson on the Wall of Power. If your taxes from years past are talking to you from the back of that drawer in your desk, it might be about time you answered the call by making a call to Moe's Tax Service in St. Paul. Time to come out now. They've been preparing tax returns and creating advisory-based relationships with their clients since 1971. Kind of stuffy in here. Problems with the IRS don't go away by ignoring them. Call Moe's Tax Service. That's M-O-H-S. They're on Ford Parkway in St. Paul. 612-721-2026. 721-2026. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ Media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. The Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe is ready for the cold. Serving seasonal dishes using locally sourced ingredients, Minnesota craft beers, and organic wines. Their delicious vegetarian, vegan, and omnivorous menu options are sure to satisfy. New items include the cauliflower po'boy, harvest chili, braised beef tostada, and the pork banh mi, as well as rotating seasonal vegetables and pasta. Sustaining a healthy community, you will find Seward Co-op Creamery Cafe at 2601 East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis and online at coopcreamery.coop. Congratulations, you survived the holidays. Now, what about cleaning up that holiday mess? Fortunately, right now is the best time of the year to call Zero Res and let their professionals do their empowered water thing. Why? Because Zero Res is having a holiday hangover sale. This month, you can get three rooms Zero Res clean starting at only $119. Plus, this month, you can still get a great deal when you get your air duct Zero Res clean. Call 952-ZERO-RES or visit ZeroResMN.com. Zero Res, spell it backward or forward, it spells the same. The local advertisers you hear on AM 950 are the lifeblood of the station. If you find yourself regularly tuning in, or if you appreciate the diversity of content we deliver, please take the time to support our advertisers. Even if it's just to thank them for backing AM 950, your voice and support can go a long way. Help keep the station going strong while investing in our local community. Find the complete list of on-air supporters by visiting the advertisers page at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. Would your business survive a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. 
Welcome back to the Wall and Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. More conversation with retired Northeast Minneapolis homicide cop, Jerry Larson. We think about uh, gangs, modern gangs, being the last 20 or 30 years, but mm. there always was gangs. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the names of the gangs back then? Sure. Vice Lord. White gang was the Primas. Uh, but bike Biker gangs? No, obviously the hell's they know, but they weren't real strong here. El Fosteros were strong. Uh, BPMs? We had a few of those up on the Iron Range. Yeah, they were strong around here. Northeast mainly. Hmm. Seriously. Where was it in Northeast? Uh, was there any gang headquarters for any of those bike gangs? There was one on, uh, like, Fillmore and 19th. Hmm. Right in the neighborhood. Right across the street from your house, Paul. Wow. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> there was one. Lowry and 2nd Street was kind of the Hells Angels. Wow. Clubhouse. Wow. All the band, band and old shack over on the north side, and they took that over. So what but, types of things did you think those guys were up to or saw drugs, that they were up to? Drugs. Okay. Big time in drugs. So back then, what was the drug of choice? Oh, LSD. Really? Angel dust. Uh, hallucinogens. Yeah, cocaine really hadn't hit back then. Coke was not their big deal then. Grass, a lot of grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, coke came in a little bit later when they started bringing the coke in and the crack followed. That's it. There's another cycle. I yeah. mean, this, now they're saying, oh, this heroin's so bad. Heroin was around 40 years ago. Right. You know, then it changed to coke. Right. No. Five years, it'll go from heroin to coke or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, right now they're in the op- opioids. Mm-hmm. Opi- I can't say it. right opiates and the prescribed drugs. <laughs> That's all I call it. <laughs> uh, people are getting really banged up on it. They're taking so much they're killing themselves. Right, obviously. So it is a major problem. Right. What do you think about? Uh, you know, I've I've said for years that they should. Uh, Legalized marijuana. Everybody says marijuana is the gateway drug to heroin, but I said it's the gateway drug back. I know severe alcoholics. I know ex-heroin addicts that just want to hit that pleasure spot in their brain with a little weed, and it helps them relax. Helps with you know uh, vets with uh, you know PSTD. And uh, what what's your feeling on the legalization of marijuana? I basically that already have, you know. In some states, Minnesota hasn't picked up on it yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know some of my older friends who have old age tremors, for example. The doctor prescribing liquid marijuana to them mm-hmm. to calm down the tremors. Right. Especially the old guys like me that shake. Right. You hand them a cup of coffee and ask them for a latte. <laughs> They'll sit there and shake you one. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, you're never going to end any of this stuff. Right. Maybe you can control it, but probably not. The biggest issue is the people that are bringing it in, I mean, by the, by the uh, semi-trailer full. Right. You know? Well, that's what I'm saying. And give anybody, there's no tax on it. Right. Give some, you know, or give somebody a... The bit like they did in Alaska 30 years ago. You want to you want to grow four or five plants at home? Yeah. Uh, or, you know, I think the other argument for for legalizing marijuana is you take the gangs out of it. Mm-hmm. Go down and get it at the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never seen. I've seen a room full of people smoking marijuana. I've never seen a fight break out. I've seen a room full of people drinking whiskey, and I have seen a fight break out. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> now tell us about uh, Northeast Minneapolis. When did, did you did you uh, after you worked at North as a, as a cop? When yeah. did you uh, move to Northeast as a cop, or did you work other parts of town too? No, I I uh, built a house in Northeast. My wife and three daughters. All three of my daughters went to Edison. Hmm. So we stayed in the city, and as we got older and. You know, maintenance and a home and five bedroom houses are just it's a little more than me and two dogs could handle. Right. So, so I sold it. 
And uh, I went to Florida for about, on and off for about two and a half years. Did you work down there? No. No, I was retired. Uh, I wouldn't work down there. That's a nutty police. Yeah. Yeah. I thought all the fruits and nuts were in California. <laughs> no, they're in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> what to part of Florida? Right on the Gulf, Largo, <clears throat> St. Okay. Pete, Clearwater. Yeah, I've been around right there. Right there, right off the beach. My best buddy lives in Newport Ritchie. There you go. He's a little farther north yeah. from me. But yeah. Yeah. So, at a certain point, you became a homicide cop. Yeah. And what, Put me in there for a while as was a detective. There, was there, uh, did that require special training? No. Okay. No. I've been enough of them on the north side where I, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's a real tricky uh, interview process mm -hmm. with the homicide suspect, you know, and you got to really be on your toes, but right. the biggest secret to being a detective is something that Mark Furman should have learned long before the OJ deal was... Don't ask a question unless you know the answer. Hmm. Like F. Scott Fitzgerald's going to ask him questions like he did about his uh, uh, saying the N-word and all that stuff. Like F. Scott didn't have a little evidence to prove that Furman had said stuff right. like that. F. F. Lee Bailey, mean. F. Lee Bailey, I mean. Yeah. And uh, uh, he had written sworn deposition where a guy had openly admitted using it using that word. Yeah. And uh, question one to stand right after that, the whole thing broke down. I yeah. Mean, they, that jury wouldn't have trusted Furman with anything. He found some of the significant evidence in it. Well, that's, trial. that's what I always thought. You know, I followed the OJ trial yeah. really closely, almost daily for the, uh, the duration. And you had uh, uh, a guy that found... Uh, you know, he found evidence and lied about it. Yeah. And that's what OJ, how OJ got off. Sure. I mean, he got he let a guilty man go free. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Now. But then he got to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I knew, you know, I played in Pocatello, Idaho 20-some yeah. years ago, and it's really interesting because in Idaho... You've got the uh, you got the Mormons on the south, and right. and to the north you got the white supremacists. Right. And uh, so when I heard that Mark Furman had a, a cabin in Pocatello, I said that was telling to me. Yeah. That was telling Hello. to me. Yeah. Try to get some booze and some jack. Told you put the money right in the paper bag for the Johnny Walker and the Pontiac. Well, Joker bent down after we told him to go easy We thought he might have grabbed a gun or a knife So Cody shot him point blank straight dead through the heart Joker just grabbed a picture of his wife Well, it went from a party to a crime It went from a party to a crime It was Halloween night, 1959 Went from a party to a crime We served our country like those before us. You know, it was a dangerous era. All of Vietnam was dangerous. The carnage of war left an indelible mark on me. We came back and built lives. As time went on, we faced new challenges and found support to handle them. I went to the VA, talked to my doctor. I started doing groups. I started doing one-on-one -on -one counseling. At MakeTheConnection.net, you can hear our stories and find tools and services available to you. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities gay scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. 
Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Only in the forest can you see this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go. And you might just see this. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Why must the world be so cold? They've gone against what was told. Thinking rape is cool? Think about it. They think it's not wrong? Violence against women? The rape? The abuse? The emotional? Physical? They all hold the hate. Think about it. Is it right or wrong? What attracts you? I'm not saying no names, but you laugh. Talk about it like nothing is wrong? Think about it. They all hold the hate? Gotta stop the violence. Stop the hate? Think about it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. This is Dan Brooks, Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor with RBC Wealth Management. For the past 19 years, I've been managing wealth for individuals, institutions, and corporate retirement plan sponsors. Throughout my career, I've seen common traits in successful investors. They include the courage to be diversified, the willingness to work with a professional, the discipline to follow a plan, and patience. I welcome the opportunity to help contribute to your financial success. Call me at 612-371-2396. With your AM 950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight, expect lows around negative 7, with wind chills as low as negative 19. Tomorrow, 1 to 2 inches expected, with highs near 15, and wind chills as low as negative 19. One day, we'll see highs near 0 and lows around negative 13. Don't miss the Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday at Canterbury Park in Shakopee. See up to 150 home improvement experts. The Home Improvement and Design Expo this Saturday only at Canterbury Park. It's the smart place to start your home improvement project. See it all at ExpoGuys.com. That's ExpoGuys.com. Welcome back to the Wall and Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. More conversation with one of the coolest ex-homicide cops I ever met, Jerry Sarge Larson. Tell us about a tense exchange that you had with a homicide suspect. What was the murder and what, what really sticks out in your mind? Uh, I mean, you're sitting right across from, from a murderer, right? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta kind of keep a sense of humor. Uh, this guy had killed this drug dealer in the drug dealer's kitchen. And the dealer's seven-year-old son was there. Hmm. And what did he kill him with? Pistol, 30. And after they shot the dealer, they had the seven-year-old kneel down over his father's body in a praying position, and they shot him in the back of the head. Wow. So we had the father laying over with the kid laying over him. Wow. And uh, How sad is that? It's out this one you got her choked on. Yeah. Because yeah, you see a seven-year-old there. Like, he's going to identify the guy? He probably would have, but that's what they kill him. Uh, and talking to this guy, like, the kid just, any question I asked him about the kid, he just blew it off. Like, yeah, it ain't no big deal, you know, that kind of shit. Pardon my language. Yeah. But, uh. He called, man. He was called. Was he? Was, he was denying it, right? Oh yeah, staring right at you. Wow. And then there's the funny ones. I mean, there's some. Now let me ask crap you. Just that comes out of them. That let me just go back to that one. So how much? What kind of drugs did he get? And how much money for oh, these two murders? Crack. Yeah. And he, A couple of bags of crack. Yeah. Wow. And the dealer held the money and didn't pay off the supplier. You know what the gangbangers say? Hmm. If you don't do the work, the work will do you. Hmm. That's why they go out and spontaneously murder people, and they go, "This is doing the work." Wow. So you were about to say about some of the uh, 
quote-unquote funnier ones. Yeah. The interviews. Tell us about that, son. Yeah, my, one of my partners was interviewing a guy in a robbery case. And the guy was new in town. He, he did about seven mom-and-pop corner groceries. Well, we had started the camera program. In other words, when you pull the last 20 in the, in the till out, without shutting off the camera, the camera started clicking pictures. I mean, they were color right there. What year was that, Sarge? Oh, Paulie. Eighties, late eighties. Okay. Right in there when we started. Mm -hmm. Somewhere in there, I can't remember days. Um and we had like seven or eight photos of this guy just standing there with a big smile on the gun. Right. Wearing a checkered shirt. <laughs> well he did one and the blue shirts got him. Yeah. With the gun and the whole deal. Right. So my my buddy was doing the robbery stuff. So he says, well, well, we got you for robbery here. This guy had just showed up from Arkansas in a Greyhound, so we didn't know who the hell he was. Right. And uh, But we had all them pictures. The guy says, robbery? I didn't rob none. He says, oh, yeah, take a look at these. Dealt all like seven, six or seven pictures. He says, what do you say about that? And there he is standing there with the gun. He says, all I can say is somebody stole my face. <laughs> that one killed me. Wow. So, did you have, did as a as a detective, Sarge, did you have to, ever have to go undercover? No, I didn't. Okay. I, me? Yeah. I'd be yeah. one of the undercover cops. There's <laughs> six four, two twenty. Yeah, <laughs> with a shaved head and bad attitude. Yeah, I wouldn't last it too long undercover. So. Um, Sarge, to go from uh, laughing about this to a real serious subject. Yeah. You've been married twice. Yeah. But you lost your first wife at a, in a horrific event. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, she was on vacation in Hawaii with my oldest daughter. And how old was she at the time? What was her name? Joanna. Joanna. And uh, she's talking about trying to going to talk my daughter was going to get divorced. She was in her early 20s. And uh, the night they got there, they were down in the bar having a couple and yakking. And Joanna went back to the room first, and this guy followed her, kicked in the door. She woke up, and he stabbed her in the heart. She died in, on the uh, stabilization table at the hospital. So it was a two-week nightmare just to get her body back. And was he there to rob her? Yeah, took the jewelry. So. Crackhead, hmm. forty-two priors. Wow. Kansas City, Missouri. Relocated in Honolulu. But it was, uh, yeah. And that's all about. That's about all I got to say about right. that. He's still in prison, right? Yeah. He's coming up. No, it's almost 25 years. Do you keep an eye on when he's... Uh, my daughter does. She knows when he goes to the bathroom, I think. Well, I if I can just interject here, because I, I met you about three years ago yeah. at the Legion in, in Richfield because you're a vet and yeah. my buddy Willie Walk and I are playing up there. But uh, you showed me one afternoon that you carry the blade around with yep. you. Mm -hmm. That she was stabbed with. Boy Scout knife. Wow. Yep. You must think about him every now and then. Ah, uh, crosses my mind. Yeah. Especially when a new grandchild or something is added to the family tree, and she missed all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She she got to see two of them. But and how old was she when this happened? Forty-four. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I had a friend of mine whose wife passed away well they were scuba diving in the Virgin Islands yeah and it was it was a nightmare for him because the first thing he was actually uh, uh, a suspect mm -hmm. in this and then to try to get the body back this just yeah. happened a few years ago on their honeymoon I might add and uh, uh, 
going through all of the the, the paranoia of, of them suspecting that he murdered his wife, and then uh, the the hospital or the administrators they wanted a kickback, they wanted to get paid off. Well, they would let go of some some of the forms to let him go. Fortunately, he ran into the head of the hospital, but yeah. still. In spite of what you're going through and then having to go through all the red tape of getting the body yeah. back must have been just really yeah. sad. Yeah. That was a pain in the butt. Yeah. Then the trial. I'm not a big fan of Hawaii, by the way. Any place that's got hello and goodbye is the same word. I I just don't trust them. Right. You know? So the trial... How do you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, uh, it's aloha, goodbye. Right, right, right. Aloha. Should I come or should I go? Aloha. Uh, what is, uh, so what was the trial like? That was right, was it in Honolulu? Yeah. Okay. My daughter had to go back over there and testify. And uh, Did she remember seeing this guy in the bar? No. She walked into the room right after stabbed her. Hmm. Her mother. And he pushed her over a chair and jumped off a lanai and ended up in the lava rock garden and got all cut up. So they, when they finally caught him trying to swim away in the lagoon, uh, he was taken to the same hospital they had taken Joanna. <coughs> oh, my God. So the defense was trying to get his confession thrown out on, on the basis of coercion because he was in the same hospital as the victim and blah, 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 you know? Right. Thought I cut my wrist, Paul. Show wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what was his sentence? Well, in Hawaii, they don't have first-degree murder at that time. I don't know if they do now or not. He's convicted of second-degree murder and got 25 years. But he's still in because he's had all the priors. Yeah. He was wearing ankle bracelets when he stabbed her. Wow. So, so how soon after that happened did they catch him? Half hour. Wow. Actually, the, the military police at Elo Army Base, which was right next door to the hotel, basically, and skirted the lagoon where he was swimming, they saw him in the water and they monitored Honolulu PD uh, radio and uh, they, they, yeah, they didn't really have an idea that this guy had just committed oh, a murder yeah. well they knew something was up okay right yeah here's you know 12 30 in the morning and there's a guy all swimming in the lagoon right why you know right and uh, that's how they got him. Honolulu guys went out and got him hmm. out of the water but... well you uh I can't imagine going through that. I've lost a family member in a very tragic accident uh, in Alaska. And I recently, in July, had a childhood friend of mine who was strangled by her niece. Yeah. Uh, so I've been close enough to that. As a cop and as a homicide cop... I'm sure you had to go to more than one family and say somebody's deceased or this is where we're at with the investigation. Normally, we had a chaplain corps that did that to okay. make death notifications or the coroner's office. And actually, the coroner's office are the ones that have to notify the next of kin. Hmm. That's their dirty job in all the other, the other crap. Right. The forensic. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a tricky little subject. Yeah. You, know? you got to be real careful playing with people's emotions like that. Right. Well, you have to be, you know, when you think about what, uh, what a job, what a homicide cop that entails, I mean, you've got the danger. You've got the, the intrigue. I'm sure there's parts of it. No, as a homicide detective, yeah. there's not any danger you get. You're getting a dead body normally at a scene. It's okay. already been secured. You're showing up to collect evidence and uh, make sure the scene's properly taken care of. Homicide guys direct the uh, the uh, CSI guys around 
what they think is pertinent to the situation, like shell casings or locations and stuff like that. Nah, they're other than being locked up in a room with the suspect and trying to interview him. Right, (laughs) right. Normally that doesn't happen alone. Stay tuned to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. We will be back after these messages. Cody said, Johnny, I can never go back. You know, I didn't really leave nothing behind. The shots came from the gully like fire from the gates of hell. Hit Cody at his only blind side. And I held him in my handcuffs in the back of the bubble top. I know he was singing when he died. So I sit behind bars in the Dakota Reform School. And I swear to the world to let Cody go. And in my dreams we're driving 80 miles an hour. Hank Williams on the radio. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood? Or an earthquake is destroying buildings? Or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Burger Moe's is the perfect neighborhood gathering spot before and after Excel Center events or anytime. Moe is serious about burgers, offering 20 fresh, never frozen varieties. Burger Moe's also offers delicious appetizers, soups, salads, as well as unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts. Not to mention more than 60 beers on tap and happy hours twice daily. Burger Moe's is located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMoe's.com. No matter what your taste, you'll find the music you're looking for at the Electric Fetus. Pick from rock, pop, international, roots music, and so much more on CD and vinyl. Or create your own compilation of favorites with the exclusive Mix and Burn CD station. Only available at the Electric Fetus. Dust off your vinyl or just make some space by turning your unwanted music into cash. The used selection changes daily, so check out the new arrivals often. 2000 4th Avenue South in Minneapolis and online at efetus.com. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. Chocolat Celeste is a true celebration. This is Colette, and we've created two themed chocolate collections for this year's football playoffs. These chocolates are the world's finest artisan chocolates with distinct, unforgettable flavors that will sweeten your team's victory and soften the sting of defeat. Having a party? Skull! Check out our football-themed chocolates. We're an approved vendor through the NFL Business Connect program. Call 651-644-3823 or visit ChocolateCeleste.com. What kind of a jackass would let an animal pick their insurance? Did you really think a lizard could save you money on car insurance? Would you let a duck pick your health policy? Insurance can be a zoo, but this is ridiculous. What you really need is an insurance agent that isn't looking out for the insurance companies. You need Cheryl at Array, an independent agent with 30 years experience looking for the best rate possible. Quit monkeying around and call 763-504-3067. That's 763-504-3067 for Cheryl at Array, representing you, not the insurance company companies. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzen. One more segment with retired homicide cop and my good buddy, Jerry Sarge Larson. Did you ever have a situation, Sarge, where you're sitting down with, with, a, with a suspect or even even going back when you were just a cop on the beat, when the uh, you thought you had the uh, the suspect under control, and he went after you, slipped out of his handcuffs. Was there anything like that ever over the years? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. No. Well, if you, you put the handcuffs on right, they're not slipping out. <laughs> <laughs> did you uh, Did you ever get in any gunfights? Yep. Really? Tell yep. us about what that's got to be like. Nope. Mm. <laughs> that tough, huh? Yeah, it's just... They shoot at you, and you shoot back. Well... Just like the cowboy movie. Whoever shoots better wins. Wow. Yeah. So it's 
Yeah. Most of the guys that work north side have been shot at or thought they were, mm -hmm. you know, just from the number of gunshots and stuff. Not that north side is that terrible, but as far as Minneapolis goes, it's the roughest part of town. Yeah. Most criminally active. Yeah. But a lot of that has to do with real simple measures that someday may work to start pre preventing the crime. And and what would you suggest those are? Housing. Number one. Okay. Number one. You can't expect somebody to live in a garage and really care about their neighbors. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. They give a crap less about other people. They're in their own self-pity world, so mm -hmm. to say. But the housing's terrible. I mean... Nothing to have pride in. Right. What about jobs? That too, but most of the time that entails uh, rapid transit. Then you have that problem. And, yeah, jobs are important. Employment, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, some kind. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Do you still stay in touch with any of your buddies that are still working as cops? Uh... Not too many, nothing yeah. left. My, you... son, my son in law is a Minneapolis cop. Okay. So I get my load out from him if I ask. He doesn't talk too much. Right. Yeah. Every time I've talked to you, though, you seem to have a pretty good feed on what's going down. Yeah, I got my thumb on the pulse. Yeah. When did you retire, Sarge? 99. 99. Yeah. Well, so like when you're around 50, right? Something like yeah, that? 51. Wow. You got a good pension? Oh, yeah. Do you? I'm a musician, sorry. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry, <laughs> There Paul. is no such Paul, thing. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> I, you know, like I tell people, I said, I took my retirement first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> From my 20s to 30s. Yeah, your cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my retirement. $100 bill. Yeah. Well, you know, most musicians, we're, you know, we just want to drop on stage. That's fine. That's yeah. that's the way it can end. You know, like a good buddy of mine, Paul May, such a great blues guitar player. <laughs> You know, all mothers and fathers worry for their musicians, sons and daughters, yeah. and and uh, and their stability and safety and all of that. And and uh, he years ago, uh, Mrs. May said, "Yes, Paul." He says, well, "What what are you going to do about retirement?" And Paul said, "Retire from what?" Yeah, <laughs> got to retire from something. Yeah. <laughs> so the greatest, the greatest little analogy of a musician I've seen is on a T-shirt. What's that? Musician is a, it's a definition of a musician. It's a person puts $10,000 worth of equipment into a $1,000 van and drives 100 miles to make 50 bucks. <laughs> 75. <laughs> oh, 75. Oh, it went up. It went up. <laughs> well, you know, uh, you know the difference between a, a pizza and a musician, don't you? A pizza feeds a, a can feed a family yeah, of four. Exactly. <laughs> so, Sarge, uh, I really appreciate you being here on one of the yeah. first uh, episodes of the Senior Moment podcast. What do you? Um, you've been retired for for twenty years. Uh, you're very astute, cat. You're very intelligent. What? Oh, um, thanks, Paul. That's true. But what's so? Uh, what, what's it about? What for you? What? What's? What's? You know. What's, what's life about? I mean, what's the important stuff for you? Sorry. My happy chair, Jeopardy twice a day, and grandkids. Beautiful. Yeah, Beautiful. they are. They're special, boy. Yeah, well, I met yeah. one of them. Now I understand I got a great-grandchild on the way. Wow. Yeah, no, wow. It makes <laughs> me really feel old. Yeah. I am. But I look like it, too. <laughs> so I'm not skating by on this one. So, Sarge, you, uh, but you still get out. I know you don't have as, you're not yeah. as ambulatory as you used to be. Yeah. But uh, you like going to the uh, the VFWs and the Legions. Yep. And uh, My kind of people. Yeah. Well, it's really been wonderful chatting with you. And, of course, I want to tell you personally, becoming your friend over the last three years, we've had yeah. a lot of great conversations. Yeah. yeah, meals, yeah and, we, and we've had a couple of drinks together, and that's always. A couple. A couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Sarge, it's my you, pleasure to buy a tuple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that next Tuesday. I've got okay, you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sarge, thanks so much, All right, man. Polly. Jerry, Sarge, Larson, uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure knowing you. Good luck with your show. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Paul Sowie. The show is also brought to you in part by the Iron Range Resources and Rehabilitation. I want to remind you, I play a couple of times a week, every Wednesday in St. Paul with Sonny Earl at the Public Bar and Kitchen at 229 East 6th Street. No cover from 830 to 11 every Thursday night at Shaw's Bar and Grill 16th and University in Northeast Minneapolis from 5 to 730. Also, you can watch my television show, Wall of Power TV, every Saturday night at 8 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. If you have Comcast, get it on Channel 6. If not, you can stream it at www.mcn6.org. You can also follow me at paulmetza.com. And like my dad, Elder Metza, used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy. Happy New Year, everybody. On the highway to outrun the black and white They were waiting for us at the county line Cody said, Johnny, I can never go back You know, I didn't really leave nothing behind The shots came from the gully like fire from the gates of hell Hit Cody at his only blind side And I held him in my handcuffs in the back of the bubble top I know he was singing when he died so I sit behind bars in this Dakota reform school And I swear at the world to let Cody go And in my dreams we're driving 80 miles an hour Hank Williams on the radio Well, it went from a party to a crime It went from a party to a crime It was Halloween night, 1959 Went from a party to a crime From a party to a crime. It went 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 from a party to.